Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 376 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... I'm on the radio too now. This is fine. What do you want to talk about? Robert, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I wish the weather where I'm at would pick a temperature and stick with it. <laughs> tell me about it, yeah. <laughs> well, it was 60 a couple days ago. And then a couple days before that, it was snowing. <laughs> and it's like 45 right now. <laughs> yeah, that's like the UK. It's just sort of snowing one week heavy rain the next then it's bright sunshine and then yeah apart from the weather what else has been going on <laughs> not a whole lot been binging some stuff tv wise they're almost done with this season of gold rush which is a show they film in the yukon in some parts of Alaska, and it's all yeah. about gold mining. I'm always fascinated because so much of my work is virtual and digital, so I really get into TV shows where they actually do things and make things. Yeah. Plus, people forget how much effort goes into stuff like that until you actually see it and you see these incredibly like literally million dollar construction vehicles and somebody's got like 30 of them and they're tooling around digging up i think they move like 500 yards of dirt an hour right. to get five grams of gold yeah it's crazy also uh, another whole season of curse of oak island is almost done they're getting pretty close with that they've made huge discoveries again they finally got more permits to do some stuff, so they're they're really finding cool stuff. They're starting to find some gems. Uh, they're finding wood that's like 100 feet deep in the earth, and then they test it, and the wood's got gold embedded in it. Oh. Um, they're testing water samples, and the water samples are coming back, high concentrations of gold and silver. So there's definitely stuff there to find. Mm. Um TV-wise, outside of that, I'm kind of keeping up on the last season of The Flash. Has that aired over there yet? It's literally started this week, that. Okay. Um, I, I was. I won't spoil it for you, but I was so disappointed in yeah. how they did Red Death. Right. That, in, from the comics, Red Death is actually a merger of Batman and Flash. Right. Batman, there's a, like some deaths happened. He's like, I'm sick of not having superpowers. He tries to get the Flash to give him Flash speed. Flash is like, no. And so Batman defeats him, straps him on the hood of a car like he's in hood ornament, max speeds, and then triggers a speed force event, and the two basically merge. And right. then Batman goes on a murder spree. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not out of that in the I, show. I've not got to. I've not seen that comic. I'll have to go and look that one up. Yeah, I had never seen it either. They teased it like a couple, three seasons back. The actor whose name I forget that played Captain Singh. He was doing like some testimonial at right. the Flash Museum, and he dropped the name Red uh, Red Death. Right. And yeah, I looked yeah. up. I'm like. Wow, there's no chance in hell they're going this dark, and I was right. Yeah, that's the problem with that 
show is the budgets have been cut and cut and cut and Mm -hmm. it's kind of obvious and so well i mean we could go in for hours i'm sure like you know the the problems with with the dc shows i mean i'm actually working on because i have access to hbo max which technically isn't launched over here but you know through various press things i have access to hbo max and uh, i'm watching titans at the moment and just i mean i regardless of the story which i mean titans is a bit shaky as well but just the production quality from one show to yeah. the next is is insanely different. I haven't even bothered watching Gotham Knights because mm-hmm. the CW probably won't even do any more superhero shows. No. They've canceled damn near everything. I just don't feel the need to invest in it. Mm-hmm. Video game wise, uh, the Steam Spring Sale went live about a week ago. Yeah. And my bank account was like, ah, how broke are we going to be? <laughs> yeah. I did pick up uh, Surviving the Aftermath, which I'd forgotten about. I was kind of following, forgotten about. But then they did Paradox Interactive actually did yeah. a little presser announcing the update and it was on sale half off. I'm like, OK, buy that. A game that I forgot completely was on PC Days Gone, which I tried yes. playing on the PS4. I just the controls is always going to be my issue. Mm-hmm. I'm just so used to the straight set with the uh, with the sticks and the buttons mm-hmm. having them being offset for the uh, Xbox controllers, having them parallel on the PlayStation 4 controllers. My brain just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And that game was 90% off, so I got it for like 10 bucks. So, yeah, I bought that. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I'm still finishing up Surviving the Aftermath. Mm-hmm. Uh, decent world building post-apocalyptic survival game really quick it gets basically put on autopilot yeah so it's a good game to play while you're trying to catch up on a show on your second monitor or something like that (laughs) yeah i do quite enjoy surviving the aftermath there's a couple of those that dropped there's one called end zone i think that came out around about the same time and they were both sort of post-apocalyptic builders and mm-hmm. they, they dropped almost exactly at the same time. I do enjoy Surviving the Aftermath. Um, it's been quite a fun little game and I drop in and out of it every so often. I mean, Enzyme's all right as well. But yeah, I mean, I love those sort of building games anyway. But um, yeah, I thought it was it was quite a nice little set of that. I don't think I've checked out the latest update for it, so I might have to go back and have another look. It's a full DLC called Rebirth, but it's paid DLC, right, so it's yes. not like an update update. I can't remember whether I actually bothered to get that or not. I will have to have a look. I like the idea of, of the sort of Rebirth thing. If they're sort of, you know, you're, you're bringing society back, that's sort of the idea, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. With that one so i may go and have a look and pick that back up when i've finished playing through the other things that i've been playing with yeah and uh game wise just bouncing between a few a big update for valheim came out so i restarted that yeah it's a it's a good game but it's the fact that you can't automate some tasks makes it a lot more of a slog sometimes Mm -hmm. try to get into kingdom come deliverance again got into it good but eventually just the combat is just so difficult yeah in terms of yeah basically i was telling this other stream that i was watching about is it. It like it's very keyboard smash inducing mm-hmm. but not in a dark souls kind of way right um you know three on one combat you're dead you swing your sword around like a maniac you're exhausted then you're dead very very realistic in the sense of yeah this is what would happen if you went at somebody with a sword yeah i enjoyed that game quite a lot i mean it's a, it's a decent solid rpg particularly as it's sort of from a indie development house i thought they did a really wonderful job with it but 
but yeah, the combat is is a little bit hard work to get through. I may have actually sort of set it on easy regarding mm-hmm. that stuff, just because those sort of RPGs, I'm not really in it for the combat. I'm in it for the story, you know. So. Yeah, and you can't compare the combat to any other game. It's unlike any yeah. game I've ever played that's had like first person combat to it. Yeah. Um, but what impressed me was. They did so much research on historical accuracy that their research actually got referenced in uh, graduate papers. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because, I mean, you can, the, the area where it's set, there are photos that pop up on Reddit every so often of, look where I am. And they're in actual locations yep. that are still standing today of sort of the monastery area and some of the villages and stuff like that. You know, some of the buildings and castles and stuff are actually there. So they did an awful lot of historical research about the area particularly and uh, yeah it's it's a really impressive game yeah and that's really about it game wise i did try uh hi-fi rush good game but it's rhythm based so i don't really do well with rhythm games so. <laughs> right yeah Games have been one of my main things the last sort of week or so, uh, last couple of weeks, actually. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, having sort of said, uh, I'm not going to pick that up, it's £50, and I don't, I object to paying £50 for a game. I found myself in a bit of a lull a few weeks ago, and having talked to, to Matt about it, and Matt was saying how good it was, I finally went out and picked it up. It is really well put together. I mean, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan at all, but the nice thing about this is, although it is set in that world, it's set back in the history of that world. So the sort of area is familiar and some bits are familiar, but you don't need to be massively familiar with the whole Harry Potter franchise to actually get into the game as such. Really nice setup. You start off your year at Hogwarts. You're joining as a fifth year, which is not usually what happens so you're given some extra tasks to help you catch up when you're on your way there you get attacked by a dragon and something weird happens and it becomes apparent that you have this sort of connection to this ancient magic and that becomes sort of the wider plot but i love the way they actually kind of build it up because it's massive and you sort of start off with stuff around Hogwarts itself. You're inside the castle and you're inside the school and you think, okay, this is nice. This is kind of big. And, you know, you're going to like classes and learning new spells and all that sort of stuff. And then you get a thing that says, oh, come and meet me outside at this little village. So you wander outside the castle and you're in the surrounding area. And it's like, oh, they've got all the surrounding area. That's nice. And then you sort of open the map up and realize they've essentially got the entire county. And then a bit later on, you look at the bottom of the map, there is an entire section that you can't properly get to until you're higher levels. So it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And I mean, there's a good 50 hours worth of gameplay in it, potentially quite a lot more if you're a 100% completist, which I am not generally. You know, I don't go and find every single collectible because who's got time for that? Unless you're Matt, of course. But that, I really impressed. The magic, the combat, I thought was really well put together. There's a few little niggly things with the controls in terms of the spell sets. And, you know, you're you're limited to having four spell sets, which means you've got to swap some things in and out that is sort of unnecessary. But overall, really quite enjoyable. And I would say it's well worth the money. Whether you're a fan of the franchise or not, I think it is a really well put together, solid action RPG game. Combat's good. Story's really good. 
really nicely put together and fun and got lots of sort of mini games you'll get distracted by side quests all the time and yeah it's it's just it's a really nicely put together game so uh, i would say that's worth picking up whether you've actually come across that yet i've seen some gameplay of it i think the best explanation i heard is somebody said that you don't have to be a huge Harry Potter fan to play it and enjoy it. You're just going to get so much more out of it if you are. Right. Okay. That may very well be true. Like I say, I mean, I've seen the films. I've never read any of the books. You know, I'm aware of some of the bits and pieces, but I still think it's an incredibly enjoyable game, even for a sort of passing fan like myself. So yeah, that I think is a really solid purchase and well worth it, even at the high price point that it is, but still worth picking up. Definitely. That's one RPG I've been playing. The other one which I picked up after that is Gotham Knights, which I'm currently working my way through, which essential setup for that is Batman is dead. You then are playing as Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl and Red Hood. And those are the four characters that they've put together. It's sort of a continuation of the Arkham Knight games, kind of. There's a lot of it which has a lot of similar DNA to the Arkham Knight games in that it's a big open world Gotham and you are wandering around and uh, solving crimes and beating up bad guys. There is a story that runs through which involves various factions that you all know and some villains like harley and the penguin and freeze and that sort of stuff it feels reasonably familiar the combat is very similar to the arkham games as well it's relatively fluid and is quite easy put together but is still a bit of a challenge as well we'll say we mentioned controllers there the keyboard and mouse control for it is rubbish and i actually ended up switching to using a controller for it because there was just no way it was absolutely awful trying to do it on mouse and keyboard that would be my main problem with it was which you you really have to have a controller if you're going to use it i'm about 10 hours into it at the moment and the storyline is is fine it's tricky when it comes to actually playing the characters because you'd think they'd work more as a group and if you are playing multiplayer you can have two players playing different characters at the same time for people like me that don't like playing multiplayer i'm out as one character out saving people in gotham and there are points where you think hang on a minute there are four of them wouldn't it make sense for if i'm having trouble to be able to call a sort of ai backup of one of the other characters to come in and help me out in this fight which apparently or certainly so far i haven't been able to do which seems a little bit strange and and there are differences with each of the characters as well like one's more sort of range based ones are more sort of hand to hand some are more stealth so it sort of depends how you want to play as to which character you're probably going to lean on the most i think but overall i'm enjoying it i don't think it's necessarily quite up there with some of the arkham games but it's on offer that was in offer on offer in the steam sale which is why i picked it up so it was about 20 pounds i think and for that sort of price it was worth a pick up i mean the arkham games were generally quite good uh, one of them was a little bit shaky but i mean it's got all the sort of things that you expect from the arkham games in terms of going and finding collectibles it's quite nice the way they've done the setup for this is you sort of have the belfry as the headquarters and you go out 
person do nightly patrols and there are various crimes that you can pick up on your sort of scanner thing and you can go and stop things which give you clues to advance the storyline. So, you know, I, I quite like what they've done in terms of the setup. I don't think it's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still quite enjoyable. There was a couple of other things with games as well this week. Stranded Alien Dawn had a new update called Sew and Sell Update. That's another base builder, which we've covered quite a lot on the website. Essentially, the basis for that, it's from Helmet Games, who are the people that did Surviving Mars and have done a bunch of other of these sorts of things. And in the initial version, you are playing survivors that have crashed on a planet. You've then got to sort of protect yourself from the local wildlife and go and farm crops and stuff to basically survive. And you can build yourself a little base and you've got a group of like four or five survivors. You get some more that come along throughout the gameplay. And uh, eventually the object is to sort of get them off the planet by, you know, the sort of rescue pods come past and you can send them off the planet. What the Sow and Cells update does is it changes the dynamic slightly in that you are actually farmers this time who have purposely landed on this alien planet on a sort of one-way ticket. And the idea is that you use the land to farm and make money and you're trying to make enough money to be able to buy the planet that you've landed on. You use the pod to be able to sell your product sort of back up to passing freighters and stuff. Really like the the change in the gameplay with that update. That I think works quite well. It slightly bothers me that they've announced that the launch date for the for this is is going to be because it's in early access at the moment. The launch date for this is going to be April 25th, and they're doing a full 1.0 launch of it. But they've only got those two scenarios at the moment. And as far as I'm aware, they're not launching any more before launch. And it, it sort of feels a, a little bit potentially underdone for launching the full game. I mean, what they have is really well polished, but I was expecting a little bit more in the scenario side of things before they actually launched it. But I mean, Helmet are quite good at adding updates to their previous games. It has also got a lot of mod support as well, which their games tend to do. So maybe it'll be fine and, and there'll be more stuff coming out for it. But yeah, it's, it's called Stranded Alien Dawn. Have you come across that yet? Because that's a Steam game. Yeah, I downloaded that. I got it and downloaded it a while ago. I did play it. Some of the functions I never understood, mostly with the survivor's happiness it would seem like they would just be spontaneously depressed for absolutely no reason (laughs) and i wasn't a big fan of the ai because they would be like i'm starving i instead of going to food i'm just going to wander around complaining about starving oh i spontaneously died because i starved to death right but i never went and got food they have made a lot of improvements to that sort of stuff so i think the ai things are working quite a lot better than they had done previously it has been in early access for a reasonable length of time. So, like I say, they have a full launch coming out on February 25th. We'll see what they actually launch with. But I was surprised when they said they were launching that as early as they did. 
the other bit of game news, Satisfactory, which is a game which I really love, which is a, a first-person sort of building game where you build factories and you're sort of mining a planet. It's a bit like a sort of 3D version, first-person version of Factorio for anybody that's played that game. It was really funny because they basically said, oh, you know, we're releasing Update 7. They're probably going to be smaller releases from now on. We're heading towards maybe getting a 1.0 release because, again, it's in early access right now. And then a couple of days ago, they said, we're releasing update 8 and the big change is we're moving from Unreal Engine 4 to Unreal Engine 5 so they're basically rebuilding or updating everything and switching the game engine at this stage and having sort of gone and said you know there's going to be no major updates really moving forward until we get to 1.0 and then come along and say oh we're changing the game engine which is great. I, they're wonderful in terms of how they contact the community and they've been very open about it and saying, look, this will screw a lot of things up potentially, but we feel that it's something that we need to do to future-proof the game. So we're doing it and it's going to be glitchy when we first release it and uh, it'll be on experimental branch because they've got a sort of experimental branch before they launch it onto early access. So people can play around with it, but I'm really intrigued to see what they do with it. It's obviously up the base spec of the game as well but i mean that's a wonderful game i spent hours and hours and hours in that um if you're into building games it's certainly one i would recommend you go and pick up well unreal engine 5 also did a uh presser showing off their all their new tech did you get to see any of that i've seen bits and pieces of it yeah staggeringly beautiful when you can crank everything up to 11 well yes that is the thing and um they will be utilizing some of that tech as well not all of it fully but they are putting some of that tech in the game like the the nanite tech and stuff for the rock formations and that sort of stuff and some of the lighting stuff they're using as well but um I get why they're doing it because it's going to be future-proofing the game. But yeah, it's nuts that they're doing that at this stage in development. But good luck to them. They've been wonderful in how they've dealt with fans and people that have followed the game from the start. And I think everybody's very supportive of them that have followed the game. So, uh, but yeah, satisfactory. If you've not bought it, it's on Steam. It's on Epic. Go and get a copy if you're into building games because it is brilliant. On the TV side, there's only really one new thing I've been watching this week because, I mean, there's sort of Mandalorian and Picard and all that sort of stuff which we're going through. But there was a new show which dropped Monday night and it is called Rabbit Hole. It stars Kiefer Sutherland, who is playing a guy called John Weir, who is a master of deception that works in a corporate espionage world and he's framed for murder. So that's the basic setup of it. It's of quite a different character to Jack Bauer, which is what he's famous for in 24 and of course he's probably what most of us would like to see him go back and do or something the scams that he's sort of running i mean not necessarily i mean it's corporate espionage so the things that they're sort of running are if you know the bbc show hustle or the us show leverage they're very much in that sort of vein of kind of these clever elaborate ploys that they're running to essentially steal money or push big corporations into doing things such as selling their shares so another corporation can come in and buy them at a lower stock price they're sort of using it to manipulate markets and stuff 
John Weir is the character that Kiefer plays, somewhat paranoid kind of character, you know, doesn't have a smartphone, doesn't have a big digital footprint. A lot of the espionage that he deals with is, is very physical, real world stuff rather than online sort of espionage and data collection and that sort of thing. There is an SBI agent in there who he occasionally has conversations with who kind of knows what he's up to, but can't pin anything on him. So he's sort of paranoid that there are somebody following him and he's assuming it's the FBI. It seems very much like it actually isn't the FBI as we get further through the episode and it's somebody else. And as it plays out, he takes on this job from an old friend and that's where things to start to go wrong and the sort of whole disappearing down a rabbit hole sort of as the show gets its title is where you sort of end up as he's framed for this murder. I really enjoyed the opening episode of that. I think it's going to be a really good one to check out. It's on Paramount Plus. It should be dropping in the US as well. So uh, you don't have Paramount Plus, do you? I don't think. No, I dialed back on most of my streaming stuff. I have Disney Plus, but that's more because I already had Hulu, so there wasn't that much of an add-on. Yeah. I get Prime because I'm a Prime member, so I already got that for free. Mm -hmm. And I pay for uh, Discovery Plus because it's got a lot of shows. It collects a bunch of random channels that I like to watch and it's only five bucks a month so I don't mind spending it. I forget if I talked about this on your show or not but a while back I re-upped on my Netflix because I wanted to binge through Stranger Things season four and season five of Cobra Kai. Ten dollars a month was the 480p service. I know. The fact that they tie the resolution of the broadcast to the price of the subscription is just outrageous to me. In this day and age, the fact that you're tying those two things together is appalling and they should be ashamed of themselves. I, I really, really object to that. I mean, well, it's, it's going to get worse over here in the States because they're pushing through another uh, streaming tax. Right. It is ridiculous some of the price and netflix there is some stuff that i do watch on netflix i've been catching up with the crown which came out a while ago and obviously stranger things and shadow and bone at the moment as well so there is some stuff which i do watch on there but if i was ever going to crop one of the streaming services off that would be the first to go because it's very expensive for what it is and i object to the fact that they tie the quality of the picture that you get to the price that you pay, which is just ridiculous. So, Oh, yeah. So what it is over here, um, 22 different states plus the District of Columbia are planning to implement a bill in October. Services that aren't permanently owned, like Netflix subscriptions, would be taxed at a 6% rate, while digital purchases such as eBooks would be taxed at a 5.5% rate. Because, you know, the economy's crashing, banks are collapsing, we got tons of money to, to <laughs> yeah. tax out of us. Yeah, I know what you mean. Some of the economic decisions being made at the moment on both sides of the Atlantic seem completely crazy to me, but there you go. Anyway, that's the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. So we kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and updates. Uh, there is one cancellation. The L Word Generation Q has been cancelled after three seasons by Showtime. Showtime and Paramount. Are, in fact, Showtime's disappearing into Paramount, isn't it, in the US, I think, for you guys. I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know but, it's 15 bucks a month and I ain't spending it on a movie channel. Yeah. Showtime is disappearing into Paramount in the, in the US, so it will become part of Paramount Plus, which is how it operates worldwide anyway anyway so sort of makes sense to do it over there as well but that's going to be cancelled after three seasons however there is a new york set reboot of the original with the original creator behind it apparently in the works at showtime not ordered to series yet but if you're a fan of the l word they're kind of doing a reboot of the original or a continuation of the original they're working at as well which will replace generation q over in the uk top gear has been put on hold basically indefinitely, although they are saying that there'll be some more news on it later this year. Due to the Freddie Flintoff crash in December last year, Freddie basically crashed one of the cars on the Top Gear test track, received medical care at the scene, and then was airlifted to hospital. There have been some stories in the papers about him saying that he's quitting the show because he doesn't feel that he can continue on in the sort of daredevil role which he's been playing. This is his third crash on the show it's still what like 25 behind richard hammond (laughs) yeah yes it's an odd statement that came out from the bbc for this because the bbc actually sort of apologized to to freddie it was saying we sincerely apologize for freddie and we'll continue to support him with his recovery which is an odd kind of admission because they weren't found at fault in terms of any of the health and safety stuff so i don't know it feels a bit odd it feels like maybe Maybe something else is going on there and I don't know whether it's Freddy's decided to quit and they're hoping he's coming back or what but the upshot of all that is is they've decided they're not going to carry on filming the 34th season so that's going to be put on hold maybe it will come back later on what the presenter lineup will be we don't know whether it's the three guys that have been there since what 2019 I think was when they Freddy Flintoff, Paddy and McGuinness and Chris Harris took over it's a shame because it has been working really well with those three guys in it and they they had a lot of problems trying to replace sort of clocks in Hammond and May but those three seem to work very well together so it will be a shame to have one of them go or all three of them go but at the moment no more Top Gear we'll see later in the year whether they decide to revive it or or what happens with that speaking of Clarkson have you seen season two of Clarkson's Farm yet? yes I did watch it I mean Clarkson whilst yes the man is an idiot it's sort of what makes it funny and there are some legitimate things that come out of that about farming and the ridiculousness of the sort of red tape that they have to go through and the conditions they work under but yeah I mean I really enjoyed the second season I think it's a really good show yeah I've watched my parents deal with government bureaucracy like that my whole life it feels a lot like they're sort of objecting to it because it's Clarkson if it was any other farm you kind of get the feeling they'd embrace it but if it was any other farm it wouldn't have a tv show for one well there is that as well and for two nobody would care because (laughs) all they all all they see is their food in the uh, supermarket they don't understand the. and this is one of the reasons why i like gold rush so much is nobody even sees the process anymore 
of how we get the food from point A to point B, but there's like step A1, A2, A3, A437 before mm-hmm. it even gets to B. Yeah. And we're invisible to that process anymore. Yeah. And I mean, what they're showing on that on that show has been very much about the process that farmers are going through, the things that they were dealing with, particularly around you know the pandemic and post-pandemic. And he was genuinely trying to do something which would help the local farming community by setting up a local restaurant, which would only serve local produce and was getting shot down at every possible opportunity. Whereas you kind of think, and yeah, I mean, I do understand that the fact that it's Clarkson drives a lot more traffic to that restaurant, the same as it does with the farm shop he's running. But equally, it would genuinely be something that would help support the local farming community. And you kind of think that they're just being belligerent about that for the sake of being belligerent. And yeah, it's a really interesting show. I mean, I know people have mixed opinions on Clarkson and I entirely understand that, but the show itself, I think is is really quite well put together and quite interesting in terms of what it does and what it shows for the farming community. In terms of renewals, we've got Grey's Anatomy renewed for a 20th season. So that will be back. It was interesting when I posted this because, I mean, I don't watch this show, but a lot of people saying, yeah, it's kind of fallen off a bit in recent seasons. So don't know how much longer that's going to be around for, but uh, it is the longest running primetime medical drama on TV and uh, will remain so because it's coming back for another season. Son of a Critch, which is a Canadian show, which runs on Paramount Plus over here, that's been renewed for a third season accused and alert missing persons unit both renews for second seasons at fox no uk broadcaster for those at the moment you which is the serial killer thing on netflix that has been renewed for a fifth and final season so that will be back for one more in terms of pickups and other news, Outlander, we have a, an air date for season seven. So season seven, part one, because that's split into two bits. That is coming Friday, the 16th of June on Stars in the USA and Lionsgate Plus. It runs in the UK. So it's two parts of eight episodes. Second half of season seven will air in 2024. And Netflix I wasn't even aware they were doing this, but Netflix announced Mighty Morphing Power Rangers once and always. Trailer for that and an April 19th premiere date for it. This is basically a celebration of 30 years of the Power Rangers, and it's bringing back a lot of the original cast. So you've got Emmanuel Jones back as the Black Ranger, David Yost back as Blue Ranger, Catherine Sutherland as Pink Ranger, Steve Kaderis as Red Ranger, Johnny Young Bosch as another Black Ranger, uh, Karen Ashley's Yellow Ranger, and you've got Barbara Goodson returning as the voice of the villain Rita Repulsa alongside the uh, two lackeys. So there's there's a bunch of people coming back for that. They've also got Charlie Kirsch as well playing Mina, who is the teenage daughter of the original Yellow Ranger Trini Kwan, who was played by Thai Trang, who tragically passed away in 2021 due to a car accident. They also pay tribute to her 
Oliver and Jason David Frank, who played the Ranger Tony Oliver, who passed away in 2022 after battling the depression. So they're also poignantly ignoring Austin St. John because he's <laughs> currently in a uh, criminal investigation involving wire fraud due to COVID relief funds. Yes, that was the other one as well. So they could have technically, I think, included him. I did read a bit of background about that because I think he has had some dispensation to be able to sort of travel, but he's got to get permission to do it and stuff. But I think they decided we'll just completely ignore him <laughs> for that. So, yes. Um, did you follow any of the Power Rangers stuff? It was sort of bypassed me, a lot of Power Rangers. I mean, I'm still it, aware of it. But. When it first originally launched, it was weirdly perfect timing for me because that was my first year at university and it came on at nine in the morning on a Saturday. So, you know, that's right when you're waking up from your study session. And it was something that I watched while I was working out. Yeah. And I don't follow it like extensively. I, I followed like the first three or four seasons. And then when it became obvious that they were rebooting every season for merchandising purposes. Yes. I kind of fell off of it. The one ranger that I wish they would bring back, but they can't because she's under contract, is uh, Rose McIver. She did a season as a Yellow Ranger, and she's How on did she? the US. Yeah, she did I Zombie. And yeah, now yeah. she's on the US version of Ghosts. Yeah, she's great in that as well. We've got the US version of Ghosts as well as the UK version. The US version has been running over here. And she's brilliant in it. It's actually really good, I think, that US version. They've got a lot more story in the US version because we only get like six episodes at a time and you do full sort of 18, 20 episode seasons. But uh, yeah, we've only had the first season of that. But yeah, she's she's great in it. And she was wonderful yeah. in Eyes on the Her, her season, I describe as the most chemically induced fun season. <laughs> right. And somebody was clearly on something when they wrote that <laughs> script and made the Rangers and the Zords the way they did. Yeah, there clearly was a lot of drugs floating around at various points, I think, when they were writing <laughs> writing bits of Power Rangers. So that is coming Mighty Morphing Power Rangers once and always. That is coming the 19th of April to Netflix if you want to go and check that out. And it's a lot of the original Rangers back doing like various parts. So uh, I think that could be kind of fun. It's a movie that they're putting out for that, not a series. There was some other bits of news as well. There is Day of the Jackal, which is a adaptation of the book and the film that they've announced... He's coming to Sky in the UK, Peacock in the US, and Eddie Redmayne is going to star and exec producing it. Day of the Jackal is a bold reimagining of the beloved and respected novel and film. While staying true to the DNA of the original story, this contemporary drama will delve deeper into the chameleon-like anti-hero at the heart of the story in a high-octane, cinematic, glow-trotting cat-and-mouse thriller set amidst the turbulent geopolitical landscape of our time. They've got the Irish screenwriter and novelist Ronan Bennett as creator and writer of it. Um, he was the person behind Top Boy. So he's going to serve as showrunner as well. He's adapting the story. And he also worked on Gunpowder, which was the BBC series with Kit Harrington. I think that's on HBO Max in the US. And various screenplays as well, including Public Enemies, which was the Johnny Depp, Christian Bale movie. Brian Kirk, who is directing it, uh, he's worked on things like Game of Thrones, Luther, Boardwalk Empire, 21 Bridges, 
Ashes as well he directed. So um, some good people behind it. And I mean, Eddie Redmayne's a pretty solid actor, I would think, for the lead role of this. Sounds like it could be kind of interesting, I think, as a series. I can sort of see that working. I don't know whether this is one that would pique your interest. Honestly, I don't, I'm not familiar with the property at all. So I honestly wouldn't know if it's something that I would like or not. Plus it's on Peacock, which is another paid streaming service. So I'm not paying 10 bucks a month for that. <laughs> yes, fair enough. It's a sort of contemporary thriller. He's got like a, a sort of master of disguise anti-hero at the heart of it. So I like the setup for it. I think Eddie Redmayne's an interesting choice for, for that. And um, yeah, I, I think that could be quite good. But uh, yeah, it'll be on Sky over here and uh, Peacock in the US if you want to check that out. There is a new supernatural witch drama coming to BBC Three in the UK called Domino Day. They've announced the cast for it. This comes from Laura Sinquera, who worked on Gangs of London and Kiss Me First. And it's developed and produced by Fremantle's Dancing Ledge Productions, who are the people behind The Responder. It's set and filmed in Manchester, stars the BAFTA-nominated Sienna Kelly from Adult Material and Hiss and Run as Domino Day, a young woman who's on all the dating apps, but Domino isn't swiping for her soulmate, she's swiping to hunt. A young witch with extraordinary powers, Domino is desperately seeking a community that can help her understand who she is, but she doesn't need to look far as a coven of witches is already tracking her every move, convinced they have to stop her before her powers destroy everyone and everything around her. When a dangerous figure from Domino's past comes back to haunt her, will it be a fresh start for them all or a final showdown? So that's the setup for it. The rest of the cast, I mean, I don't really know any of the names, so I don't really think there's a huge amount of pointing necessarily reading them all out but lauren sequera is the person that created and wrote it she's worked on adult material hit and run it's also got charlene james who worked on discovery of witches and the rising harlem Mraz, who worked on secret invasion the upcoming disney series as well on it so yeah, I mean, decent set of people behind it. British supernatural drama, which we don't get a huge amount of over here. Usually, you know, they're usually American imports and things. Depends what tone they're going for it, whether it sort of tries to be overly serious or whether it's going for a bit more kind of dramedy, Buffy-esque kind of side to it. I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. But that's called Domino Day. It's coming to BBC Three at some point. We haven't got a date for that yet. Also in the news, Gears of War, which is a live action film adaptation coming to Netflix has found a writer and it's the June writer John I'm going to say Spashit but I, I could be mangling that name horribly so he's the writer of June and the upcoming sequel to the recent June movie he's also worked on Marvel's Doctor Strange the sci-fi film Passengers as well so he's got an Academy Award nomination for Best Screenwriting for June so decent person to pick up for uh, Gears of War adaptation. Is Gears of War a game you've particularly played? I, I've done bits and pieces of it, but not for a very long time. A little bit, but not a whole lot. What's interesting is you know who is actively campaigning to be in this adaptation? Uh, former pro wrestler Batista. Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, apparently he's a huge fan of the franchise, and it's kind of like the same aggression and passion that The Rock went after with Black Adam. Right. Um, he's been going after with that, you know. Hit or miss, take it with you will. He actually did pretty good as uh, Drax. Yeah. Um, 
the first movie. The second movie, I don't know why they wrote him the way they wrote him. That makes no sense. The third one's coming out in a couple of months, so we'll see if it stays on that track or not. Yeah, Dave Bautista is actually seems to be a reasonably solid guy, and he's turned into a, a decent actor. He's been in a couple of other things as well. So I think I, he could be quite a good fit for this if they decided to uh, pick him up for it. He's definitely got the build for it. Yeah, he's certainly got the build for it. I could see him working in this, and if he's a fan of it, then, well, as, as long as they don't mangle it too much. But apparently, um, John, whatever his last name is, the guy that is writing it is also a huge, huge fan of the games as well. So that seems like a good sign. And the fact that they're doing it as a film and not trying to string it out over over a series. They have got an ongoing deal with the Coalition, who are the people behind the game, to do an animated series that has alongside the film. And they could potentially do more things afterwards if this all goes down well but it's interesting they seem to be taking it fairly seriously i mean getting a sort of oscar nominated screenwriter behind it and somebody who is a fan of the material in the first place i think is a really solid sign that netflix are actually taking it seriously and not just a shameless cash grab which you could forgive people for thinking netflix might be doing that but um yeah as long as they don't turn it into another witcher well yes that they did monkey around quite a lot with the witcher and that's more to do with the producers than the netflix directly yeah. i think but yeah did you see how bad that prequel got tanked online oh no i didn't i mean the prequel was all right i think i mean i you've kind well, of forgot on, that- on rotten tomatoes the fan rating was at eight percent and the critic rating was at 30 <laughs> percent. wow okay i mean i didn't mind the prequel too much the biggest issue that they have with that is the fact that you had somebody who was a massive fan of the property who mm-hmm. chose to leave the project because he didn't like the direction they were going with it in Henry Cavill. That's problematic for the upcoming season. So we'll see where it goes next season. But yes, then there is another season supposedly coming after that. So who knows? Gears of War film in the works at Netflix with the writer of Dune behind it. We'll see who they cast in it. So that's all the news for this week. Just some times for some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week on TV. We have uh, Kindred coming to Disney+. Plus. Don't get overly attached. I think they cancelled that after one season already. But it's an adaptation of the MacArthur Fellow and Hugo Award winner Octavia E. Butler's enormously popular and influential novel. Unfortunately, the TV series didn't last more than one season. That's coming on the 29th of March. Over on Apple TV, we've got Big Door Prize Landing. That's another novel adaptation based on a novel by M.R. Walsh. Tells the story of a small town that is forever changed when a mysterious machine appears in the general store promising to reveal each resident's true life potential over on netflix on the 30th of march we have unstable landing which is a comedy set in a cutting-edge biotech research company and it stars rob lowe and john owen lowe his actual son riverdale returns on netflix in the uk on the 30th of march for its thank god final season <laughs> that is back for where well, we do i i don't no, 
know, I, I hear stories of what happens with Riverdale with them, like aliens and flying and superheroes and uh, all sorts of bizarre stuff going on. In I that legitimately of did not know that it was based off the Archie comics. Yes, it is. It is based off the Archie comics, but obviously very different to the Archie comics. Craziness is about to end with the seventh season, but uh, 30th of March for Riverdale season seven. Are they doing time travel for this season? I, I wouldn't surprise me if that's true. Yes, I, I honestly don't know. I think they've done. Didn't they do some? They did some time. I don't know. I've never watched the show. I just vaguely just remember seeing a commercial while I was watching The Flash. They were like in the 50s or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if that is the case. I think they've done superheroes and they've certainly done magic. And uh, yeah, there's all sorts of weirdness going on on that show. Over on UK TV's Gold, there is a new season of Billy Connolly Does. This is called Billy Connolly Does the Decade. So if you're a fan of Billy Connolly, it's him basically looking back over the last 50 years of his career. That's coming to gold on the 30th of March at 9pm. Taskmaster returns for its 15th season. That's coming the 30th of March at 9pm on Channel 4. There is a new drama starring Kevin McKidd called 6-4. That is inspired by the best-selling novel by Haido Yokoyama. That is coming to ITVX on the 30th of March. Over on Prime, there is a TV show called The Power coming which is set in a world with suddenly without warning all teenage girls in the world develop the power to electrocute people at will that's coming the 31st of march on prime there is a show called late night lysit which is a chat show with joe lysit that is coming on the 31st of march at 10 p.m it's live as well so sort of a bit like tfi friday basically but uh, 31st of march at 10 p.m for that and doogie Kamakola MD returns for its second season. That's 31st of March on Disney+. Plus. So that's all the stuff you've got coming in the next week. For more of Robert and uh, more of Matt as well, you can go and find them over on Entertainment Talk. Uh, you don't have social media things, do you? So I have them. I just don't use them. <laughs> Fair enough. For more of Robert's stuff and more of Matt, you can go and find them over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots more podcasts. Uh, you do gaming talk with him and a few other bits and pieces, don't you? Every now and then, yeah. Go and find them over there. And you've got the Manchester United podcast. And uh, if you've been watching The Last of Us, we did The Last of Us podcast over there. So there's lots of more stuff and podcasts over on entertainmenttalk.org. For Bex, you can find her on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She's streaming every week over there with uh, I don't know whether she's still power washing things that's what she's been doing most recently in uh, Power Wash Simulator she was also on an episode of Entertainment Talk I think this week as well talking about some of the games she's been covering so uh, you can go and check that out on Entertainment Talk and go and watch her on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites and Daryl you can find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV shows which you love which are shot in Canada for us you can find us on the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter or on facebook and facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye bye